0: Collective Podcast. On today's episode, Ian interviews AJ Holland. He posts all sorts of really awesome workouts on his Instagram at DocFitness underscore NJ. And speaking of Instagram, please keep tagging us in all of your Kettlebell content. We are at Kettlebell underscore Collective on Instagram and enjoy this episode. All right, everybody, today we're here with A.J. Holland from Margate City, New Jersey. A.J. is the owner of Doc's Fitness in Ventnor City, New Jersey. New Jersey has a lot of cities.
1: He focuses
0: on kettlebells, animal style movements, breathwork, and mobility. A.J. is also a kettlebell trainer at Quest Fitness, where he focuses on group functional fitness classes. He has a NSPA weightlifting certification and has completed over 100 hours in breathwork and yoga training. But there's more. AJ played professional and semi-pro baseball for nine years. We're going to hear more about that. Four years within the Atlanta Braves organization and five years playing overseas in Australia and Europe. Follow AJ on Instagram right now by pulling up at D-O-C-S fitness underscore N-J. It's Docs Fitness underscore N-J. AJ, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me. Absolutely, man.
1: Thanks for having me, mate. Good to be here. Good to be here.
0: Awesome. Quick question to get us rolling here. Okay. What's the weirdest thing you've seen somebody do with a kettlebell?
1: Oh, um, we, um, last summer, I don't, I don't necessarily would say it was weirdest thing, but, um, it was one of those, one of those things where I caught, I was running a group training class and, um, I explained before the class, we were going to be doing overhead carries. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I guess there was a little bit of loss in translation at the um, at the beginning when I was explaining the movements and everything. And instead of having the person, you know, like the person was, uh, you know, in that rack position and like overhead and walking, they had the bell by like their fingertips and they're holding it above their head. (laughs) And, and I'm not even joking. Like I, we had probably like 15 people in the class and uh, and I saw him walking and my eyes, cause I'm, within the group training classes, I'll like do the classes as well. So I'm working out and then also training a little bit and and like keeping an eye on everybody. And, uh, and at the time we were, um, we were incorporating swimming within the workouts because last summer, the location of where my gym was at, it was, um, right on the bay. Um, it's like in a lagoon. So we would do some kettlebell work. And we would jump in the water, swim across the lagoon and come back. So this guy's hands were already pretty slick to begin with. And he's carrying this bell above with his fingertips and I stopped and I was like, yo, get, no, 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 Like, please don't do that. Okay. This is how we do it. Let me just re uh, do a little quick breakdown and all, but uh, weird. I mean, yes. Like maybe just not safe there. I guess it would be the other thing. Um, and then there's one other thing. I mean, this probably happens has happened um, a lot, but um, I had a buddy of mine who um, he, we were doing the kettlebell snatches and he, the bell slipped out of his hands like midway up and it was a 28 K and it was like, you know, obviously it's pretty good weight, but, uh, um, and it missed like somebody's, you know, foot by like a couple inches. So thankfully nobody got hurt or anything like that. But, uh, but we always, we always bust his chops still to this day. We tell him to face the wall. Okay. So basically, you know, whenever you're doing snatches, whenever you're doing, you know, cleans or anything like that, you're facing the wall. Okay. Not, uh, not uh putting any of these projectiles out but (laughs) smart move
0: two two great reasons to have a coach whenever you're getting started with kettlebells
1: a hundred percent one thousand percent
0: yeah i i know a girl who has a phobia of uh basically what you said somebody losing the grip of the kettlebell and it coming to smash her in the face really
1: (gasps) (laughs) You yeah. got like a, a bouncy wall or something. <laughs> face the wall. Face the wall. Face, that's... face the wall, man. That's a yeah. That's, a, that's an ongoing joke that's been going on for a year and a half now, at least. So, right on. Cool.
0: So you yeah, you shared that your first introduction with kettlebells was when you were sixteen. What, yeah. What yeah. went on
1: there? So I got on. Um, so first off, where I'm from, it's like. You know, typically, a lot of people's first jobs is being a lifeguard on the beach. Um, I'm I live on like a little bit of an island, you know, a couple of cities, but it's um, you got the beach on the one side, you got the um, the bay on the other side. So typically, your first job is being a beach lifeguard. So I got on at the age of 14, and um, by my second year on the beach, um, I started working with um, a guy by the name of Tom Scher, and uh, he's basically one of my like like biggest mentors within the fitness community. Like, um, he's the one who introduced me to kettlebells, introduced me to yoga and introduced me to nasal breathing, which is like the foundation Mm. of like the breath work that I like to try and teach. Um, so yeah. So when we were working on the beach patrol, you had two hours of workout time from 10 to 12 and, um, and he and I, we started working together, um, you know, four or five times a week, um, on the beach. And that lasted for I want to say four, four or five years. Yeah. Five years we worked together and we just, he was all, he was RKC certified. Um, and again, kettlebells to me was just something new. It was like, all right, look at this ball steel with a handle. You know, I didn't think much of it, but, um, we spent that whole summer working on the kettlebells and, um, and, uh, and that's, that's when it really got the hook into me. Um, yeah. And, And I actually, I know people talk about like that, like, uh aha, or like, what the hell um, factor of kettlebells, you know, I'm talking about, right? You know, Um, and I, that, that really resonated with me, my summer, going into my uh, freshman year of college. So just tell you like a quick little story of like the, the what the hell factor. Um, So it was, before the before the before the um, beach had started, um, we had to do a two mile research run. Okay, so at the beginning of the summer, to be a lifeguard, I ran it, and the, um, this is basically just to like make sure everybody's in shape. You know, it's like the fall and the winter, just you know, springtime. So basically, when you get back on the beach patrol and you're starting off, gotcha. um, everybody has to do a two mile run. You know, along with a swim or so. So anyway, so. I do this run and I finished like 1456 was the time and you know, not bad, nothing crazy by any means, but, um, but I, then that entire summer um, all I did was really hone in on kettlebells. It was like the big summer because I was getting prepared to go into, go into college and for baseball and everything. So, so all I did was kettlebells and um, and then that following fall, I get up to St. Joe's, my, you know, university that I was going to. And the first day they're like, all right, we're doing a two mile time just to kind of see where everybody's at. And I'm like, oh boy, like I haven't ran one time. Like I did not run once that entire summer. And I'm thinking into this, I'm like, Jesus, like this is going to be miserable. Um, I'm probably going to end up getting laughed or whatever. so So anyway, so I finished the race you know, the two mile time. And they say their time, they say your time's like at the end. And the guy said, um, one of the coaches said 1246. And I was like, wait a second. Like what? Like, what are you talking about? And uh, he's like, yeah, 1246. It looks like you've been really running a lot this summer. And I was like, be <laughs> honestly, I hadn't did not run once. All I did was do kettlebells. I was trained with kettlebells uh, four or five times a week in line with the nasal breathing, which again, like that's uh... another big proponent of my like training but just the, the recipe for the two things, um, of the kettlebell and the breath work and all like really opened up my eyes. And I remember calling my buddy, Tommy, like, uh, the guy who introduced me to the bells and who we trained all, all summer with. Um, and, uh, and I was like, dude, I feel like, like the kettlebells, I feel like more people need to utilize these (laughs) to say the least, you know? Um, but yeah, so anyway, I got introduced at an early age and then, um, then i stuck with a lot of like barbell work as well like going through baseball and and some of the gyms like throughout the country that we would be uh playing Um not al- they didn't always have the kettlebells so so like that's why i said i mean like off and on for the last 15 years have definitely um you know been utilizing the the bells but um most heavily i would say in the last like 2 years mm-hmm. is definitely um when i'm really starting to lock it in so it's yeah, an man, awesome,
0: it's, uh, awesome, what the hell story. And you, oh, have, dude, um, it's
1: insane. It's you know, it's still so thinking about it. <laughs> I, I
0: wonder, I wonder what proportion of your uh performance was attributable to the kettlebell work and how much mm-hmm. of it was from the nasal breathing.
1: Um, oh, that's, huge. that's a great question. It's a great question because I will say. Um, ever since I got introduced to the nasal breathing and, you know, I should mention like the mentor from Tommy Sharon, there's another individual this guy by the name of Eddie Harold, who he lives and breathes like the nasal breathing. And he does, um, he's written some books on it. He's like a life coach when it comes to um, like, he'll go to businesses and, and other athletes will work with hands on with the nasal breathing. But anyway, um, um, it's a great question. I think it could be, attributed, it could be 50, 50. It could be 70. I don't know. But, um, but I will say ever since I was introduced to the nasal breathing, um, anytime I go on runs, like I don't, I don't run as much anymore. Um, but when I do, I always tend to feel stronger at the end of my run than I do at the beginning. And, um, and every winter me, my brother, my cousin, we do a beach run um on christmas eve on the beach and uh which then is followed with a swim (laughs) which that's a whole nother thing you know this is we we got a bunch of lunatics you know down here uh, in in south jersey but uh (laughs) how about that but at the at at the end of the runs it gets it gets very competitive and uh i haven't won every year but there's been a couple times where uh we've had about you know a foot of snow that we're running through and my brother and my cousin can attest to it where I start doing the nasal breathing and just like the fire breath that you see, like some people do. And, and it, it, allows you to get like a whole extra gear. You know, it's, it's almost as if like, an, you're basically with the nasal breathing, you're able to keep more oxygen within your, within your system. So it's essentially not to get all, you know, scientific with it, but um, as you breathe in your oxygen, it's obviously, you know, O2, but as you exhale out, The carbon dioxide by nasal breathing by exhaling out of your nose you're able to extract that that o2 from the carbon dioxide so essentially you're just basically breathing out the carbon it's a again i don't i don't know like the ins and outs of the scientific reasons why but resources showed that Mm -hmm. so from that in itself i mean like for me i'm like okay well i just um i feel like it's like a cheat code at least you know so,
0: <laughs> so you're you're doing heavy breathing in and out through the nose.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: So there's there's a handful. I mean there's there's so many different um, techniques when it comes mm-hmm. to nasal breathing. You have your alternate nasal breathing where you're closing off one nostril, um, breathing in one, and then closing that nostril off and then exhaling it out and then back in. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it's, and then you have like the fire breath, which allows you to um, get your heart rate down because at the end of the day too, it's like the one thing that I kind of, um, that hits home for me, especially like, you know, being by the, living by the beach um, during the wintertime, we'll, we'll do like cold water dips and it's a matter of like getting your heart rate down and getting your mind clear and mind calm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because a lot of times, um, especially when we get in that fight or flight mode in our or or we're getting done a workout or we're in the middle of a workout and our hearts racing and i'm like shit, you know you're like damn i can't go any further i can't go any harder or if you go into the ocean and it's cold and it's like or you going into an ice bath and you're like uh as soon as you touch this water you want to get out but that's like your mind like playing tricks on you and telling you like no 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 like like you can go a little bit further like you just need to slow everything down a little bit slow the heart rate down and like by by incorporating a couple breathing techniques, you're able to do that, you know, and it's, um, it's just a matter of, um, of locking in the breath. And that is one thing that I like, especially with the kettlebells, which is, which is one of the proponents that I love, is the amount of breath work that you're able to correlate with kettlebell training. Um, one in particular would probably be like the Turkish up. You know, a lot of people will talk technique on the Turkish getup, but you don't hear too many people speak about the breath, okay? And like one thing that I like to try and hone in, you know, for myself and then for, for individuals that I'm working with is, um, is taking that deep inhale and holding your breath and squeezing, locking it in each, um, each section of the Turkish getup. You know, there's been times too where we would talk about, okay, let's work breath retention. Let's take a long, deep inhale in, hold that breath in and go piece by piece and exhale at the top and then long inhale hold that breath in squeezing everything out squeezing everything in rather and going down and what that'll do too is like you're it makes you focus like tenfold on each step of that turkish get up you know and then you can you know obviously do different breathing techniques with that where it's exhale each part on your way up exhale each part on the way down and um and obviously, too, with like the kettlebell swing in itself, it's just a matter of um, having that quick exhale and squeezing everything, the core, the quads, the glutes um, on, every, uh, on every rep, you know, so. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, the breathing. What a, yeah. Go ahead. What,
0: what a great way to, uh, to teach the Turkish getup, too, just to slow everything yeah. down and force that, force oh. the focus.
1: Dude, you have to. I mean, especially when you're in a, you know, because you become very vulnerable in the positions the Turkish get up. And it's like, that in itself is like one of my favorite movements. Um, but you do see it a lot of people like just rushing through. It's like, no, 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 no please.
0: Just yeah.
1: Slow it down. Slow it down. Slow it down. You know, we already work so many quick explosive moves with like ballistic moves with the swing, the snatch, the clean, you know. It's like, this is our opportunity to like really lock in the breath. And that's that's one thing that I try and hit home too with all my clients and, and uh and people come in is uh, movement follows the breath. Mm-hmm. Movement follows the breath. Okay. And the, the closer you're able to bring the two together, um the more crisp your movement's gonna be. Um and the more conscious you're gonna be within it and the more intention you're gonna be able to find with each uh with each rep. So Yeah, that's beautiful. Um <laughs> at, the beginning, at the
0: beginning of quarantine, I started mm-hmm. doing five-minute uh, breath-to-movement sequences with the kettlebell. So each movement okay. was paired with an inhale or an exhale or a hold. Okay, and wow. I, I, like wouldn't, I wouldn't put the kettlebell down for five minutes. So thinking back mm-hmm. to your, your observation at the end of that run of nasal breathing, you said you felt stronger at the end of it. Like I felt great. Mm-hmm. At the end of these five minutes. That's know? awesome. And that's awesome. I think that's a great See, that, con-
1: that's like an eye-opening. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
0: Yeah. I'm just gonna say that's a great contrast to anybody who's on the train of go hard or go home. If you're doing CrossFit mm-hmm. or any type of hit yeah. where it's just hundred and ten percent every single time, if you slow everything down and pair it with your breath, it's wild how you feel after. And uh you're missing you're missing out if you if you haven't tried that.
1: Absolutely. And I think um that's it's a good point too with like the whole go hard, go home, you know, or no pain, no gain kind of thing, like uh mindsets. uh, (laughs) um I think people lose lose track of the breath. It's like a matter of like, okay, this is a twenty five minute workout. I'm just gonna go as balls in the wall as hard as I possibly can and just You because the thing is too is like when you focus on your breath, you are able to be more conscious of your technique as well. You know, Mm -hmm. and again, like, you know, in these HIIT classes and all, and it's um, they're great sweats and they're you know, they're great workouts, but at the same time, what's the end goal here? You know, what are you training for? Are you just training just you just doing it just to get a workout in and get a sweater? Which again, that's that's perfectly fine. But where's the intention like lie? And again, I think when you start Correlating that breath with the movement and slowing everything down. Um, not only will you get better workouts, but you're going to be able to finish better times if you're going for time. But um, your technique will be better, your mind will be clear, um, and you'll be better suited, better set up for after the workout of being able to bring that heart rate down. Um, one thing we focus on too is doing a lot of planks, mm. and that's one thing a lot of the clients, you know, we uh, we talk about. And I'm like, we're doing like a, you know anywhere from two to like four minute planks or, you know, different variations yeah. will split, split it up after the workouts, but it's, it's cool hearing the feedback from a lot of the individuals that come in where it's like, because I have the plank where I'm like, all right, listen, focus on your breath, long, deep inhales. work a quick or long, like four to six or even 10 second, exhale, or oh, I'm sorry, a uh, breath retention. So you hold that breath in at the top and then you slowly, slowly exhale on out. And then you just, focus on that sequence like long deep inhale breath retention long deep exhale and then maybe another breath retention at the bottom of that and then you just focus on your breath the next thing you know the two minutes goes by you know yeah <laughs> not it doesn't happen always the time but um but i challenge i challenge some of them as well like um to see how many see how how little like little amount of breaths you can take within a two-minute plank mm, you know very so it's cool. like, that in itself that is a that's you know you think of a two minute you think of a plank or even i mean geez you could do it in one minute you know it doesn't matter necessarily the length of time but if you really challenge yourself in focusing on your breath then you're able to change the game completely because you're taking control yeah. of the breath because how many times how many times you go through a workout and you're just like huffing a puff and puffing, huffing a puff and your mind starts racing you're all over the place and you're like uh techniques and kind of thrown out the window after the third or fourth round of whatever movement you're doing um like it all starts with your breath. It all starts with like how high your heart rate is. It all starts with like your mind getting lost and jambled up within the intense workout. And it's just a matter of like just bringing everything back to square one with the breath. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's something that again, that I think that more people, um, once they find it out, you'll start to realize it's a bit of a cheat code. And, and to be honest, I mean, if you look at like the, like, if you look at the, the, the most natural way to breathe, I mean, like if you look at a baby, like my, my sister just had a, uh, a kid, um, a baby boy two and a half months ago and all, but as they, and I have some friends that have, you know, like two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, if you look at all these young kids, like they're breathing in and out of their nose. You, yeah. I mean, like I was a lifeguard on the beach for the longest time. It's like you see kids run around and this is one thing my buddy Tom would always like make a point. He'd be like, listen, look at these little kids running around. They're not, they're not hunched over, you know, huffing and puffing out of their mouth. <laughs> they're breathing in and out of their nose. You know, they're breathing properly, you know, and then over time, we kind of realize, like, okay, we go to the path of least resistance, which is, okay, I need oxygen. How am I going to do that? I'm going to breathe in and out of my mouth. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, there's there, now there's a lot of different techniques with the breathing and all, but I think for me, um, I've reaped, been, been very fortunate to reap nothing but benefits through the nasal breathing. And I think it's, um, again, something that, um, I wish other people would kind of, not necessarily wish, but I mean, like, I think, um, I think other people could, uh, could really reap the benefits of it as well. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So anyway, a lot of breathing talk. <laughs>
0: it's, it's huge. Um, yeah. And I think this book here, Breath
1: James oh yeah, Nestor. James Nestor.
0: this is helping yeah. it take off, and then also oh, go. yeah, yeah, also oxygen advantage. Ox- Patrick oh, McCune. yeah, uh, you gotta
1: you gotta take a look at um life with breath. Life with, life breath. with breath is that Eddie Harold by uh, Eddie Harold? Yes, my man. Yeah, and he's um he's putting out podcasts a good bit as well, talking about the breath and um like he he he's the one who. Yeah, he you know he introduced it to me back in uh back when I was in the
0: teenage years. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So I got a question um, on how you breathe with a kettlebell swing. The traditional yeah, uh, method from the the hard style schools is in through mm-hmm. the nose, out through the mouth.
1: Yeah. How are you doing it? Yeah. I breathe. Yeah. First off, you got to have some tissues nearby. <laughs> <laughs> You make sure that make sure you're not blowing snot all over. Face a wall. And, uh, you don't want was, a
0: person right in front. Face the wall.
1: Yeah, face the wall. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I definitely like to clear the nose a little bit, but it's um, it's a similar like quick exhale, but it's not to you know just jump into it, but it's like a. So it's. So when you're exhaling on out, blowing snot all over here already. Yeah, that out. Uh, <laughs> but it's the same concept of, of exhaling and squeezing your core and squeezing and engaging everything at the top of the swing, um, as the hard style technique. But, um, but yeah, for me, man, it's, um, that's, 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 that's what I, that's what the focus is for me, you know, and that goes the same way for, for all the ballistic movements with the, uh, with the kettlebell as well. Again, you probably ought to have some, uh, from some tissue paper nearby, but, uh, or some, uh, you know, and then uh, some clean ice should be good
0: to go. Yeah. Right on. That's how <laughs> I do it too, by the way.
1: Yeah. Oh, you breathe out of your nose?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm big nasal. I'm uh, Oxygen Advantage oh, certified. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sweet. But uh, yeah, you, know I, the, you, you got the whole dance
0: down. So yeah, but I'm, I'm always curious to hear about that because people are so um, strongly committed to the, you know, yeah. out the mouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, And what, based on my experience, I feel like I can establish the same amount of core contraction with a nasal exhale yeah. Yeah. Um, with the mouth. And then I, I just save the mouth if I'm really pushing myself and I need to recover. 100%. Then mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do, first I'll try deep nasal. So, okay. Um, <clears throat> going off of Andrew Huberman's physiological sigh, have you heard about that?
1: Go ahead. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I've heard the, I know his name. I know the name. But.
0: Yeah, ophthalmologist and neuroscientist. Um, so he found out that humans naturally do this physiological. What he we coined the physiological sigh um, to downregulate and relax. So, it's Mm -hmm. a two-part inhale and a one-part exhale. According to him, that breaking the inhale into two pieces Mm -hmm. allows for greater expansion of the alveoli. So, that's going to extract more CO2 whilst inviting Mm -hmm. in more O2. So, during uh, recovery, what I'll try to do is a deep inhale into my belly, through the nose, Mm -hmm. and then the second one into the chest chest, yeah Yeah. and then just natural exhale out the nose if you want to recover faster you can exhale out the mouth for yeah like three rounds and then jump back Mm -hmm. into the all nasal
1: I love that that's beautiful that's beautiful yeah yeah I um when I was doing the uh the hundred hours or so with with it was with Eddie Harold um with this guy um okay and one thing that we would, uh, we would challenge ourselves with would be breaking up that inhale and breaking up that exhale, um, up to, I think we eventually got it up to like a 20. Um, and this is wow. after going, you know, yeah. So where you're taking the most minute inhales and it's just, and it's just like, you, I mean, you know how, you, how it goes, but it's, you're slowly building up, building up, building up, and then you're holding that breath in for, you know, say like a 20 count. And then you're slowly chopping down that exhale piece by piece by piece. And that talk about like intentional breath. I mean like Jesus, like that's in itself it comes out to be um like probably like two and a half minutes of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you feel as if you just, you know <laughs> you know, you feel like you just got done a freaking marathon. But um but yeah. yeah, so we'd experiment with that. But I mean I think I think that's great, you know, like um yeah, I never thought of uh, doing the, the two-part breath, breaking it up as a recovery piece. One thing that we focus on too with that is um, um, a long, deep inhale, holding that breath in, and then like quick exhale, okay? And then long, deep inhale, holding that breath in a little bit longer, quick exhale, um, just to kind of take control of that heart rate and that breath. But mm. I like that, man.
0: Mm. So, so on that exhale – are you fully emptying the lungs?
1: No, no, not only yeah. quick ones. Uh, on the saying. quick one, it's just a matter of contracting, squeezing everything. Get everything out as quickly as possible. And then once you feel your heart rate coming down a little bit, then that's when you start. Well, that's when we would start elongating that exhale, focusing on that length of breath, hold that breath in over the top. And then. Slowly, slowly, slowly controlling, controlling, controlling the exhale, um, almost as if like you're wringing out a towel of water, just really mm. trying to squeeze and push all of that exhale out. Um, cool. I like yeah, man. That. I mean, breath work. Uh, yeah. No, it's a, uh, geez. Yeah. I could talk. Uh, I enjoy talking about that kind of stuff. So it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could, you
0: could talk about breath all day long, but I want to hear about your baseball career. When okay. did that? Yeah. Um, when did you? Uh, it's
1: nothing.
0: Did you start with the Atlanta, or did you start overseas?
1: Um, started uh, with the Braves. So I was. Um, so I went to St. Joe's University, up in Philadelphia, um, for baseball, and um, I played three years there, and um, was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to get signed by the Braves, the Atlanta Braves um, in 2011. Um, so I was just within the minor leagues. Okay. Just for four years, um, within the Braves organization. And, um, it's actually funny. So I left school after my junior year. So I still had a year left at school. So I got released from the Braves, um, 2015, 16, I think it was July of 2015 or yeah, 15. And, um, and at that point, you know, I had um I was going back to school because I wanted to finish up my schooling. And to be honest, I uh I had no idea of baseball overseas. You know, you hear you know baseball in the DR in Mexico and mm-hmm. and Korea and so on and so forth, but but I had no idea that there was baseball in Australia. Like I had no idea there was baseball in Europe or so. Yeah. Um but I had a buddy of mine who I played with with the Braves who called me um one night and he was like, Yo, do you want to go play in Australia? Like, we need a hard-throwing, like, closer, release guy, you know, to come out of the bullpen. And I was like, baseball in Australia, like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't even know that was, like, a thing, you know. And I was like, dude, I already set up my classes, like, and this is at night. I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'm like, I already set up my classes. I'm, I'm good, man. Like, I got, you know, I got other things I want to get working on. And, uh, and then I woke up in the morning. And I was like, I don't know what I called him right away. And I was like, Yo, Ian, like I don't know what the hell I was talking about <laughs> last night, dude. I will make it work. I don't know what, you know, let's make it happen. I'll I'll sort it out. So, so I ended up changing my schedule with the schooling into like an eight weeks uh, semester, like a condensed semester. Um, was able to get it in time because it's opposite seasons, Australia and the U.S. Nice, yeah. So yeah, our summers, their winter, and vice versa. So. So, yeah, so then I went over there and I played in Canberra, Australia, which is the capital of Australia. It's like three and a half hours southwest of Sydney um, within the Australian Baseball League. And, uh, yeah, played over there for, for a season. And, um, and the baseball community overseas is um, – it's a small – it's very – it's like a small community. It's once you play and you make a little bit of noise within the um, – and you do somewhat decent, you know, like within the baseball community – um, everybody kind of knows everybody. So then after that, I actually, well, I actually ended up having to come back home and get shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got shoulder surgery after my year in Australia. And at that point I was like, still like had the mindset of like wanting to play in the States and then, you know, like get back into playing affiliated ball. Um, but after my shoulder surgery, I wanted to, a means to like kind of build up my pitch count and build up my strength and stamina and all. So a buddy of mine who I played with in Australia the previous year reached out to me and asked if I wanted to play in Czech Republic, um, in the city called Brno, um, which is the most beautiful city on the planet. Okay. really? <laughs> it is hands down. I mean, one of my favorite places in the world. I mean, been able to travel a little bit, nothing too crazy, but, um, the most beautiful of everything is there. Yes. I B E R N A. Berno, B R N O B R N O. And B-R-N-O. to be honest, the, yeah. the fact that I'm actually talking about it is not necessarily a good thing because before I left after my first season, the players and the people from this small town, like, listen, we know how beautiful and magical this place is. Whatever you do, do not tell <laughs> Americans and other people, tourists about this because it's one of those cities that it's it's, two hours from Prague. It's the second biggest city in Czech Republic. And um yeah, so uh yeah, I'm like thinking about for now and, and the people there and it's 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 a magical place. But but anyway, so I ended up playing a season there. Um came back home um and then ended up playing back in Australia two more seasons, one in Canberra, one in Melbourne, Australia. And then um two summers ago I actually ended up back in um, back in Czech Republic, you know, played for a different team in Prague and um, yeah. So, and then, yeah, so that's, uh, yeah. So basically four years within the Braves organization and then five years um, playing uh, overseas. And it's one of those things too, where at the beginning, like talk about like things that like, you know, happen and happen for a reason you don't really necessarily know why or, you know, anything at that particular time. Like when I got released from the Braves, it was like, it was actually right around July 4th weekend. And I was like, ah, it's kind of bummed out a little bit, but it's like, you know, it happens. It's a business kind of deal. But if I never got released from the Braves, then I wouldn't have been able to have the opportunity to play overseas, to play in Australia, you know, three different times. To play in Czech Republic and, um, and meet some of the, you know, the you know, most genuine people, like, or, or just have all these different life yeah. experiences if I didn't get released from the Braves that particular time and, you know, to put me on this path with the, uh, with the kettlebells and, uh, and, uh, and to training people now, you know, so it's, um, I was definitely lucky, you know, like, um, you know, I wasn't anything special with baseball. I was just tall and threw a little bit hard at that particular time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, man, I mean, it's, uh, it was a definitely a enjoyable experience to say the least. Yeah. A lot of good memories. A lot of good
0: yeah. yeah. I like, I like how you, you pointed out, you had that ending getting released, mm-hmm. but there were so many cool opportunities
1: that came out of that. It's insane. Yeah. 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 And I think everybody, I mean, can pinpoint like a time or two where, where that's happened in their lives. Like, and that's yeah. the one thing too. It's like, you know, when people are talking about obstacles and it's like, you know, It's like not at that particular time you might not be able to see it, like the reason why, but whether it's a month, two months, two years, three years, four years, uh, however long it's going to take. Like you look back on that one time where, you know, something, you know, difficult may have happened in your life. It's like, yeah, like a couple doors may have closed here, but eventually you're going to, you're going to figure out why, why that, why that certain thing had happened, you know, depend you know, whatever the magnitude of it is, so very cool yeah (laughs) Yeah, the more the more uh, more
0: times you navigate those you're building like a muscle to deal with uh you know uncertainty and uh it's a great muscle to have these days in 2021 absolutely (laughs)
1: absolutely man a hundred percent
0: yeah so during your your baseball career uh was kettlebell training a part of it
1: it was off and on. I mean, I would, um, there was one, there was one, uh, fall off season that I had, um, I lived in Scottsdale, Arizona, um, just because the weather is better there than in the, in the fall and the winter time. Um, and I had some buddies out there, you know, who were, uh, who I was playing with who we trained together during that one off season. And that was, um, geez, I think 2013, maybe. Yeah. 2013. Yeah. Um, I focused a lot. Yeah, it was a lot of barbell work, but it was also um, a handful of, like, it wasn't necessarily, like, fully encapsulated with the kettlebells, Mm -hmm. but the kettlebells were were spoke in the wheel, and they were, maybe I would say a couple spokes in the wheel. Um, And, I I mean, looking back on it, actually, that was probably the best I was prepared, um, because I was still with the Braves at that particular time, and I had really good spring, um, and had a decent season, too, and that was probably the the most fresh that I had ever been. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think looking back on it, um, you know, you can always look back on certain things, but, uh, but I think I might've gone a little bit more centralized on the kettlebells while I was in baseball and while I was in the training and all. Um, yeah. So, but, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like an end all be all it wasn't as much training as like now, right? Like, cause right now I'm like hundred percent kettlebells, like between the kettlebell movements, and the body weight movements. Um, yeah, I haven't touched a barbell in a while. <laughs> yeah.
0: How were kettlebells layered into your, your training program for baseball?
1: For baseball, it would be, you know, we would, I would basically stick with any kind of squats. I would do barbell back squats, but then, um, I would just, honestly, I would just focus more on just kettlebell swings, you know, I would always like to introduce, like, um, or, or um, lay out, like, a Turkish getup, you know, at least once a week within part of the program. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, because at that time, too, like, you have a strength and conditioning coach who sends you, like, a program. And you don't have to follow the program, but it's just something as like, a baseline. So, for the most part, I would basically just be adding kettlebell movements in to this particular program that, gotcha. you know, our, uh, our trainer would send us. Um but yeah, it was mostly just the swings and I would say probably just like the Turkish getup mixing in a couple like, you know, days where you're doing um, you know, cleans and so on and so forth. But um but yeah, man. Yeah, it's good stuff though.
0: (laughs) Very cool. I got one more question and then I'd like you to share how people can work with you. Mm -hmm. So in your in your Instagram bio, you mentioned the most valuable currency is the effect we have on others. What's that mean to you?
1: To me, um, I think it's exactly what it says in the sense that, um, you know, putting others first to the point where, you know, to be honest, like where I first heard that was from my grandfather. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and that's basically to me, when I see that quote, it, um, it's something that resembles my grandpa. Who's Doc, and that's basically mm-hmm. what Doc's fitness is. Oh, cool. So, just give you a little, yeah. So, give a little quick. Um, so my grandfather, he, um, he was a doctor in the area in South Jersey. And you talk to anybody that knew him, he was somebody that put others first, and and truly believed that the most valuable currency there is is the effect we have on others. Um, he brought crew down to the area, like rowing, rowing crew. Mm-hmm. He, um. Like he was a, you know, he was a ski instructor. He basically, he was just like one of the most genuine people that I was able to know. Um, and he built a legacy out of putting others first. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it came to like this whole like training people and over the last, you know, year and a half, two years or so, um, I think back on Doc, you know, Doc. And um, and it's funny too, because we're on that now, you know, so... Um, inside a boathouse like this is where our training has taken place is inside is the upstairs of a boathouse where it's all a bunch of crew boats like crew shells and it's right on the water and uh, the upstairs was just like it kind of slowly turned into a gym but nobody really used um, and it's, the boathouse is named after my, my grandfather uh, John W. w uh, Holland aka and it's John Holland Boathouse um, so I felt as if like you know, there would be um, just doing uh, doing my best to reach at least one one hundredth of the amount of people that he was able to affect in his life. Like, if I'm able to reach that, um, then I feel like he might be uh, he might be pretty happy about that. So, <laughs> hence Doc's fitness, you know, and we happen to be on a dock as well, you know, right by the water. So, um, so yeah, that's where when I when you hear, when I hear that quote, I think of I think of him, and I think about um, I think about the people that come in to train with me. I don't know why they continue to train with me. It makes no sense because after the workouts, it's like, Jesus, like that was kind of miserable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, but that's, um, that's the other thing too. I like to focus on is like building community and like building a tribe, you know, in itself. And yeah. it's like, um, you know, and, and for me, if I'm able to help one person, um, become or at least give them access to like a key to allowing them find a better version of themselves, um, then, then my job is complete, you know? And I think when I think of that quote, I think of my grandpa and I think of all the things and the values that he instilled into my dad who instilled into myself, uh, and to me and my other siblings and all. So, um, but yeah, man, so that's kind of a long answer for, uh, that's beautiful, for that quote, man. but, uh... <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Cool.
0: And speaking of making an effect on others, what what uh yeah. so people tell us how people can work with you?
1: Yeah, so um I mean as of right now, I mean um I've focused strictly on like the group training and the one on one training. Um I would like to implement more online training. Um, you know at some point, you know like I'm definitely open to that uh, opportunity. Um I've been working on a couple programs which. At first, like that was one of my goals to get done like these couple programs, I had a couple body bodyweight programs, a two week bodyweight program for beginners, a two week advanced bodyweight program. Um, but looking back on it and the, a four week kettlebell program, um, I want to I want it. I'm in the stage of reevaluating everything. So I'd eventually like to um, basically create a menu. Um, and I'm gonna get a website up and going too. This is all like the beginning stages of this. This whole thing kind of came out of nowhere since COVID. So it's uh, yeah. I'm kind of riding the wave right now. But um, but yeah. So basically, if you want to reach out to me um, via Instagram, or on Doc's Fitness, as you you know you said, and Doc's Fitness underscore NJ. And it's um, um, I'd like to uh, eventually be selling programs, and then also be taking on online clients um, via Zoom. Um, which obviously like nowadays people are feeling more comfortable working at home. So, so, and also I'd like to eventually be able to like, have that freedom to travel um, again, once, once everything kind of opens back up a little bit. So, awesome. um, but yeah, so the best access to contact me would probably be the, uh, the Instagram and they can, um, they can uh, just shoot me a DM and I'll be more than happy to, uh, to uh, talk to anybody and everybody. Beautiful.
0: All right, everybody. Reach out to docs, Fitness underscore NJ, Breathwork, Kettlebells, Mobility, and more. AJ, thank you so much for joining me. Really enjoyed this. Man, my
1: man, I appreciate what you're doing, man. You're doing great stuff, man. And it's a good following. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be on here. I'm happy to share a little bit. Awesome. Thank you. bye